During John Crotek's healing journey, he learned how to be vulnerable. He learned that his high-risk behavior was just masking a childhood trauma that he had been unwilling to talk about. Now, through the confidence that he has gained by being vulnerable, John has turned to creative writing and just recently published his work in a book of poetry. Stay tuned for this episode 15 of season two to hear his inspirational story. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks. I have found the secret to transforming trauma into treasure. We start by choosing to invest in ourselves first, and then it overflows onto others. By sharing how we have overcome our obstacles, we ignite a tiny spark of hope, love, connection, and community in other people. And when we ignite that spark, the whole world lights up. And that's the power of investing in people. Just imagine what you could ignite when you invest in yourself first. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. Today, my guest is the incredible John Krotek. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Shay. You make me feel like a hero or something, but thanks. It's great to be here. Well, you are a hero in many, many ways, and we've only known each other for, what, six weeks maybe? And you've definitely been a hero I'm definitely an ad- admirer from afar of yours, so thank you for being here. Well, you're welcome. You know, we're like uh, 45 seconds in, and you're going to make me cry. <laughs> well, that's that's the premise of the show, is to immediately make you cry. It's good, it's good. No, it's... And, and so we met literally six weeks ago, but we had this immediate kindred spirit conversation and diving in. And within literally a couple of hours, I think we were both tearing up and, and crying. So thank you. It means a lot to me that you're here today. Yeah, it means a lot. You, you humble me and I, I'm honored to be here on your show. So it's great what you're doing. And uh, I knew when I first met you that you're a person that's touching lives and, uh, and in a positive way. So yeah, very cool. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know, John Krotek is an entrepreneur, speaker, writer, and army veteran. After college, he went to work in corporate America and realized that despite doing well in the job, he wanted something more. He joined the army later in life and with purpose of serving his country. The army taught him discipline and how to value himself. Mm, hard lesson for most people. Oh, yeah. Still working on it. Yeah. Are we all? Yeah. After three years of active duty, he left the army and returned to civilian life. It was then that he got reacquainted with his future wife, helping her raise a family. Together, they also successfully ran a business for over two decades, selling travel gear and clothing. In 2012, John hit rock bottom and survived a traumatic brain injury caused from an alcohol-fueled traffic accident. This unleashed his demons and forced him to cope with the trauma he experienced at a young age. Over the t- this time, he almost lost his marriage and family. 
with months of cognitive behavioral therapy and hemp-based pharmaceutical treatment, he developed his own learning healing system by using creative pursuits for coping with trauma and saving his marriage in the process. Wow. John is currently with several creative businesses and holistic healing pursuits, which include Green Zone Hero, Straight Out of Combat Radio, Task Force Zen Journeys, What's Your Apocalypse, and his new series of poetry books titled Fractals. So, John, you have this incredible life story, and I always like to dive in and first ask, what does investing in people mean to you? Well, you know, life is people, whether we want to believe it or not. It's everything we do in our lives has people connected to it. Last time I checked, we're all humans, and unless we find ways to interact uh, for the greater good, then we're better off being by ourselves. I just think that investing in people is the best thing you can do. Yeah. I agree. And it sounds like you've invested in yourself, and it's overflowed in many ways. So do you want to share some of that story with that? Sure. You know, we, we talked about it before, Shay, that a lot of people don't introspect. You know, we go about our lives. Uh, dealing with the challenges that were that are thrown at us sometimes at a very young age, but you know, all of our lives we're dealing with challenges and trying to figure out ways to overcome them. And uh, you know, where I used to say, you know, we're dealt a deck, and when you're playing poker, how's it go? You, you can ask for more cards and continue to play the game. You can deal with the hand that you've been given, or you can just fold them and. I like asking for more cards because I'm just never satisfied with what I get. And a lot of times, you know, you want to change things. You want to change. Um, you want to overcome, adapt and overcome is what we say. A lot of people say in the military. But, uh, you know, life is, is a journey. And, you know, it's so cliche when we say that, but it's so true. And unless we find ways to, uh, you know, one of the things that leaders do, yourself included, a lot of people is, seeking ways for self-improvement all the time. Um, I think that's one of the greatest gifts we have is the power of choice. And that's mm. what freedom is all about, you know, free will. Mm -hmm. So I'm on this planet with, a, you know, almost, you know, 8 billion other people. And uh, I think that we can still make a difference, even with all those people. And, and, you know, shows like this and things that we do to help our communities in our states and our, our countries and the planet is what we need more of this communication and willingness to to accept others you know be compassionate and empathetic and and be real and it's okay to, for us to disagree or agree you know i said something uh, somebody said the other day you know if you like me that is super cool and if you don't like me, that's cool, too. I'm just grateful for both. And I think that, you know, sometimes that's easier said than done because who likes rejection? Mm -hmm. But I'm learning more and more about who I am and what makes me tick. And what I've, you know, we've talked about the law of attraction, but to be there where I first met you, you know, it's, pro it's, it's, it's proof positive that 
there is that law of attraction. And so when people are out to help other people, those people are naturally going to attract each other. And yeah, you know, you're right. We work, I think, how often do you meet somebody within 30 minutes you're teary-eyed and crying about stuff in your life? And then you go, you know, this person's pretty cool. And that vulnerability is what makes us real. Mm -hmm. And so long I lived in the shadows and I wasn't going to make myself vulnerable. I did that as a young child. I learned very quickly how uh, how the world can... (laughs) give you things that are hard to deal with and and I wasn't going to be vulnerable so I I, I dragged a lot of knuckles and I was Mr. John and you know found myself uh, drinking a lot you know through college and various parts of my adult life there's no way to live a life right wow and you are so incredibly open and vulnerable now completely transparent and to to think about who you might have been before I can't even imagine because you're just you are literally beaming with just light of love and acceptance of everyone so I love that you've learned that about yourself because it's been a joy just knowing you in the six weeks to to, to be in your presence so I can't imagine how you were before and yet I completely understand I was the same way I you know, I think, like you said, things happen at a young age and we build walls around ourselves to protect ourselves. You know, Shay, we sure do. And, uh, you know, one thing, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, this was a disclaimer for your show. Yeah. I have never claimed sainthood. Okay. <laughs> but I will tell you this. This is how I look at a lot of people, most people. I think we're all like fallen angels Mm. and we're looking for our wings, right? And this is not a new concept, but, and I, and so when I, when I meet people, I say to myself, that's just another broken angel or fallen angel like me. And when it came to the poetry, you know, methodologies for creative writing and poetry, I found my tribe because most poets, we hear tribe, you know, but most poets, to me, they're kindred spirits, like you mentioned earlier, and they're people that are trying to figure it out through a creative mechanism, writing. And so I feel really at home when I'm around creative people because creative people are vulnerable or making themselves that way. And they're, they're normally or usually, the word normal, whatever that means, but usually they're more in touch mm. with who they are. Mm-hmm. And so, so there you go for your listeners, all of your listeners. I am not a, I'm not claiming sainthood, <laughs> but I will claim broken angel status. And, uh, and I just know that that's how everybody else is, you know, we're dealing the best we can. Absolutely. And you use the term broken angels. I use, uh, we're all walking around wounded because we've all experienced some sort of trauma, whether it's, um, emotional trauma or it's a, you know, physical trauma, like you were in the car accident. And we're going to get to that in a, in a second, but it's something that we've been through that reacts in our brain as a trauma rather than just a, a stress. So you're so right. You know, Shay, that when we read, I think it's like 75% of the world's population has been traumatized at least once mm-hmm. and up to 40% multiple times. And it's not just like disfigurement from an accident or, combat or sexual assault or the 
divorce or financial ruin. I mean, there's tons of things that can traumatize a human. Right. And so, like you just said, broken. So think about that. A global population of broken people. Well, and those are the ones that are reported. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast of a conversation of how many traumas go unreported, especially especially in the time we are right now of uh, middle of April of 2020 and the peak of the COVID-19 self-isolation. We could literally have people going through trauma in their homes that may never be reported because they're too scared to of to what's next. And that's the other thing, you know, they're not even really talking about if people are getting it in prisons and jails and stuff like that. And I have seen articles just recently come out where they're trying to figure out how to handle this uh, COVID-19 in lockup. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues, big time issues going on. And what's interesting, <laughs> what you're pointing out there is that trauma that people react differently to the trauma. Yeah. And so, you know, what befalls one child or one person, the same event will have a different reaction to the, to a different person. And so it makes things very complicated for a lot of people. But I do know this, that if you don't deal with the trauma, which is what I didn't do with, with the childhood assault, mm-hmm. it will eventually manifest itself some time in your life could be a year later for me it was almost 42 years later and so unfortunately or fortunately i should say fortunately took a traumatic brain injury for all of that to come to come out and and i reached had i reached out for help at a younger age my life may have been a lot different but i have no regrets you know i made lots of mistakes and and the social stigma with childhood assault, especially for a male, uh, even for a female, uh, is not fun. And so a lot of people, like you said, unre- unre- unreported, mm-hmm. you know, they don't report them because of the social stigma. Sure. And, you know, so that's a, that's a whole other podcast, too. Right. You know, social stigmas and labels, and things and judgments that we place on people. And, you know, <laughs> it wasn't my fault what happened to me that they, Yes. A lot of times those things aren't your fault anyways, but you know, when you start to blame yourself and feel less than, and, and then you get to a college fraternity party, uh, you know, you're, you're questioning your manhood mm. because of that type of thing. And, sure. Oh yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to have a couple pops here and I can just go with that person. And it's, it's bad. It, it can get, it can get really ugly quick. Yeah. Yeah. So gosh, so many nuggets. I just want to pull out of that. Um, but I want to kind of take you back to um, childhood. So you had this childhood um, trauma assault happen to you. Looking back, do you think you ever acted out during your childhood and teenage years before you even got to that college age? Yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, fantasies, basically. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, like, um <sighs> First of all, I was in shock that it even happened. Mm-hmm. And then right after the event, which lasted a whole 90 seconds, the, the perpetrator, the guy that did this, um, he basically said, nobody's going to, he apologized. And then he said, well, no, and nobody's going to believe you. Mm. 
so I, at that time in my life, and I was like in somewhere between my third and fourth grade, I was an inquisitive, rambunctious, full of life, spunky little guy Yeah, who trusted people and liked people and, and just, I was a cub scout for gosh sakes. And, 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 and then that happened. And so immediately I had distrust of people. Yeah. I question, I questioned my gender. Sure. Uh, I mean, in the third grade, you know, right. so, and then anger, anger and resentment, but kept inside, you know, on the cover of my book, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. There's a picture of me in the third grade with my classmates. Well, I'm, I cut them out, but yeah. then you can see the picture the following year. Mm. And it doesn't take, uh, you know, a therapist long to see there's a distinct difference between that child. And so I became sullen, mm. quiet, very, very reserved. Again, didn't trust anybody. And, and I would say the acting out that I did was more fantasy. So what I did was I really threw myself into reading. Mm. And, and, I, and, I, and I became characters that weren't John. Gotcha. I be, you know, I, I identified with heroes and underdogs and movies. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just was really, really hungry for biographies of heroes. We talked about heroes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, American presidents and famous generals and all these people that I identified with. It was more of a fantasy as far as acting out. In a negative way, if anything, it was the drinking, mm. which, which started about 15 years old in high school. Okay. And, and um, I'd say the drinking was more or less to be socially accepted and to try to repress the, the low self-esteem and the negative feelings that I was having about myself. Because I used to walk around and not used to, you know, what is that person thinking about? Um, and especially with guys, as we're all trying to develop this pecking order, it was like, you know, I, 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 for a long time, I engaged in high risk behavior. You know, I had motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I was a mountain climber for twelve years, and it was always this thing to prove something. Mm-hmm. You know, beating our chest, and you know, and I look back on it now, and you know, I, all I have to do is look at myself in a mirror without anything on, and I know who I am. Right. I don't have to prove something to anybody to prove those kinds of things and, and it took a long time and when you hide an alcohol you basically just you don't develop like like you need to as a human being I think alcohol right. repre- represses and, and it's just not healthy and right. so when I got out of college and went into my corporate lifestyle you know the drinking was still there but it was something that was always manageable mm-hmm. and same thing with the army you know my army buddies that might hear this someday that they know how crazy we got at times and you know and we were just you know we could have been shipped out at any time but but it was always more than that to me it was always just i didn't really care yeah you know just um and that's at a real deep embedded genetic level because when those kinds of things happen to you and those people who have been victimized before it's not just a 95 second right event right it gets it gets coded into your DNA mm-hmm. so, so trauma gets coded and you know we had a couple of discussion on, on the show before uh, and your story is significant too you know it's another story of trauma and, and how you dealt with it and what you've been able to do uh, and, and myself and many others like us, we've been able to take that tragic event because mm-hmm. I can't relate to your event because it happened to you and vice versa. But we can at least empathize and know that we're not alone. Right, 
Right. You know, that, exactly. That's the biggest thing. When I finally realized in my therapy, in my late fifties, mm-hmm. when I started to realize the exact nature of sexual assault in children's lives, it was I was blown away. Right. And then we and then we kid about it. You know, when I when I came out, you would not believe how many men and women and on some of these LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, said, you know, I'm really, I admire you for being courageous. Oh, and by the way, when I was eight years old at Uncle Bob's house, this happened. Yeah. It just blew me away. And that was one thing, the impetus to write the book. It blew me away how many people had experienced similar things and had had to deal with that for their lives. And, and, you know, the hope with the book, through creative writing, is if I can... uh, I can reach one person, one, mm-hmm. with a poem that they can relate to, and they can go, "Holy cow, I'm not alone!" And look, I can make something of myself, and I can get through this. Because some of those rap groups that I'm in, they're on Facebook, sexual assault survivor groups. Mm-hmm. It is amazing how much talking about it helps to heal in that process. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to get real deep here, but uh, well, thanks for that. Yeah. yeah, and it's okay to get real deep. In fact, I think some of the people that will read your book um, and contact you will be those who have been unreported the, that we were just talking about because most people don't report it. And from that uh, time in your life and then after the you went into the Army, um, teenage drinker, I was too. And then you go into the army and then you're in this alcohol fueled accident where you get a traumatic brain injury, but made it through the army unscathed. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a non-combat veteran. Okay. But, but, but still, you know, the, yeah. but, but still though, we have guys die in training. It's a dangerous work. Sure. But yeah, I mean, and I, you know, 12 years of mountain climbing with avalanche and rock falls and, you know, there were fatalities on many of the mountains mm-hmm. that we climbed on. And uh, probably pushed the envelope too hard at times with the motorcycle, high speeds on the on the interstate. You know, one bump and you're gone. And, and yeah, I took a it out, took an alcohol induced uh, night out shooting some pool with a good buddy of mine. His wife had just left to go to Peru, I think, and my wife had just left to go to Virginia. And we had two or three glasses of wine and shooting some pool. And I looked at my my watch, and you know, I'm a lot older now. And I go, hey, it's eleven o'clock. I got to get going. And, so I think we chest bumped or something. He went one way, I went mine. And the next time we woke, woke up, I was, I had been involved in an accident. Literally, mm-hmm. and, uh, later on, they had checked the blood. There was stuff in the blood. So somebody had not only stolen my credit cards, which weren't in my wallet, but I had probably wow. ingested something that was a uh, date rape drug or something like that. But I, I, made it to my, wow. I made it to my truck, and that's all I remember. The next thing I remember being in this accident with a head injury. Wow. And, and because of uh, the, the symptoms with a head injury and uh, um, driving into the influence, they couldn't do anything to be there at the scene. They kept me there for a long time, and uh, which was probably a mistake, but I did eventually make it to the hospital, spent the night that night, and then eight weeks later, they come to a rescue on a blood uh, alcohol content. Mm. So eight weeks later, I got arrested, and it's like, holy cow. Um, and then, then the whole process started, but during that time, immediately for those of people that have had traumatic brain injuries, uh, 
and then insomnia started, you know, mm. average of two or three hours of sleep a night, uh, drastic mood swings. Like I, mm. people are like, is that John? And, and just my personal life at home and my business life and my company started to erode because of these drastic swings in mood and, and anger and resentment and being short and, very quickly, things started to erode, sold the business within two years that my wife and I had operated uh, for that time. And then it, that part crushed me. You know, it's another thing you don't think about when you run a business and you're already feeling bad about yourself. When you sell the business that's your identity, uh, you feel like a major failure. Of course, mm-hmm. for a male, no way am I a failure. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. And so that adds more fuel to fire. And then sure. Uh, and then when my wife saw me just spending ridiculous amounts of money, that it was basically our uh, you know retirement. Uh, time had come for us to not be together, mm. and I didn't want to be with her, and she obviously didn't want to be with me. And I don't blame her one bit. And then the the next thing that happened was uh, was a God thing. Uh, unfortunately, her mom slipped and fell at ninety two years old. <laughs> And broke a shoulder and a hip, and right in the middle of our divorce, which had been started, she had her people, and I had mine. We were spending goofy amounts of money. Um, she had to go to Virginia to take care of her mom, and that that began the journey back. Um, it led um, basically. She went to Virginia. We were separated. Here I was alone in the house. Both boys are gone. It's at Christmas time of the year, and I'm thinking to myself, "What in the hell am I doing? Hmm. I'm 56 years old." I'm going to start over. This mm. is the woman we raised kids together. And so I got this wild uh, idea that I didn't want to be divorced, even though I had been very vocal about it. Popped in my truck. I drove all the way to Virginia on Christmas Eve, 2015, knocked on the door Christmas morning. And my wife's kind of looking at me and she's going, what are you doing here? Mm. John, it's over. You're stalking me now. Mm. how it went down. Wow. And, and so I hopped back in my truck, drove all the way back down to Jacksonville. She was up in the Richmond area. Got in the truck, drove down there, stayed at the Holiday Inn Express, and didn't get any sleep that night. The next morning for breakfast, it was like the lady working here. This was the day after Christmas 2015. And, um, and, and me, with no sleep. So I, I, I'm not feeling really good. Mm-hmm. There's something not right with me. So I hopped in my truck and I, I decide that maybe I'm better off calling somebody for help mm-hmm. because the way I'm feeling right now, I might do something really stupid that I could regret. I mean, I had enough sense about me to, to know that I wasn't right. So they literally, this is true. I made the call. I was on the interstate, I-75 heading south. Uh, and they kept me on the phone, literally talked me off the ledge. Who did you call? Uh, crisis hotline, mm. uh, like a crisis center in Orlando, yeah. Florida. And the first thing uh, they asked me or told me was, "Get a grip. We may not be able to save your marriage, but we can save you." Yeah. Are you up for that? And let me tell you, it, it was months and months and months of cognitive behavioral therapy, one on one with a counselor. Yeah. And I had to really look at myself. And I, and I was told by my counselor, you got to let your wife go. Mm-hmm. It's not about your wife right now. It's about you. So 
I kind of did. I kind of kept kind of in loose contact with her by text and every so often. And it's kind of interesting because November 16th of 2016, so nearly a year later, I get a card in the mail. It's the week before Thanksgiving. And I'll never forget it. And she, it was like, I just want you to know that I called my attorney this morning and I've decided that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. The divorce is done. Not going to happen. And so I um, dropped my knees and uh, thank God and uh, cried like a baby and was, you know, of all the things I've ever done in my life, I earned the right and the privilege to be married to my wife. Mm. I earned that. Mm. And, and, you know, I'm not going to say it's still hunky-dory. You know, all relationships, you know, we're still working on it. But, but it, it, that, was the, that was the catalyst. And a really good lady friend of mine here in town told me, John, I'm telling you straight up. And you mentioned this at the early part of the interview, Shay, about love. Mm. She says, if you love your wife and you behave that way, things are going to happen that are, that are going to be good for you. And that's, I got to tell you, in a living example, that love wins. Mm. And for any kind of relationship out there, if you truly love that person and you're willing to work it out, you have a great opportunity that, that you can. And, and so, you know, so just, you know, that's just never quit. And that was another buddy of mine uh, down in, um, Miami area. His dad had owned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we're good friends. And I had a really teary conversation with him on the phone one time. And he just said, John, two words, brother. I know you. I know who you are. Keep going. Mm. And so there you have it. Love and keep going and never give up and good things can happen. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm on Mount Everest, you know, the, the pinnacle of all mountain climbing, but I will say this, I'm in a better place now than I was then. And because of uh, people like you and another support network that I've been able to set up, it just emboldens me more and more every day. So, yeah, I mean, anybody can do it. You just have to want to do it. Awesome. 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 And this is the probably the third maybe story time I've heard that story and I tear up every single time because it's just so beautiful and truthful and heartfelt and trusting yourself that it didn't matter if she was coming back. It was about fixing and not really fixing, but healing and investing in you. And getting her back was just a byproduct of investing in yourself first. Totally right. You know, Shay, I remember the book, too, that my friend Sherry gave me. She owns a place here in town. They do yoga and they do seminars and they do lots of cool things to help people. It was Radical Love Hmm. was the name of the book. And uh, did some work with Joe Dispenza, Mm -hmm. uh, guided meditations. I started to learn a lot about other healing modalities. Uh, besides the proverbial antidepressants and the things that they put people on that, right. uh, you know, it works for some people, but they didn't work for me actually maybe more suicidal. So mm-hmm. what worked for me was meditation yeah, and, co- and, and cognitive behavioral therapy. And then the CBDs with the uh, plant medicine. Right. And, uh, 
without those kinds of things, uh, you know, the, that probably wouldn't be here. And, and if the divorce had gone through, of course, we can always second guess, but it, it, I, I would probably be in a, in a much worse place. I, I The divorce had happened. I can't imagine you. Um, well, I take that back. If divorce had happened, I can imagine that you would be in exactly who you are right now. Yeah. Because you were so committed to healing you. You were so committed to un, unpeel, unpeeling the way the layers of what has happened to you all these years and really just being able to forgive and grieve and feel all the feelings that alcohol, you know, pushes away. And, you know, your, your uh, adrenal junkie, adrenaline junkie activities pushes away. So you weren't physically, I mean, verbally beating yourself up. You were physically putting yourself in situations, beating yourself up. Absolutely. You know, yes. And, 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 you know, you're probably right. Thank you for that, by the way, because, you know, I was totally committed to making this happen, to, to finding out, you know, what makes me tick? Why do I do that? And, you know, we still get triggered. You know, we do. Right. Everybody does. And I had a, a good friend of mine tell me, you know, it never, it never gets better. It just gets different. Mm. And there's some truth to that because, you know, when you have issues of low self-esteem or you know, serious trauma uh, reactions, <laughs> those feelings sometimes never go away. Yeah. And, and so you have to find different ways of coping with it in the past. With me, it was either drinking to be the, the life of the party. Right. You know, the, the, the man. Right. Or, or it was like, you know, buying something that I really didn't need. You know, as a cool shirt, I think I'd like to have one of those. You know, or, 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 you know, I got into collections and it's cool to collect. But I mean, did I really need 300 Civil War letters? You know, I mean, <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I'm glad you pointed that out because it manifests itself in different ways. Yeah. So as we move forward to this, um, the self-healing, you know, on steroid type protocol, um, you just learn that you, you, you realize that you don't like that pain anymore. Right. Right. And you know, Shay, right. that, that everybody experiences pain. And that's another thing I learned in mountain climbing. A good friend of mine, I'm always absorbing what people tell me. And he said, I, I asked him one time, you know, what does mountain climbing mean to you? Because, you know, you get nosebleeds, you get acute mountain sickness, mm-hmm. you get headaches, you have insomnia, you have all these things going on. And you never, you know, so he looks at me and he goes, it's whoever suffers the best. Mm. So life, there's a bit about, there's suffering that comes with life. Yeah. If you go to a distraction, by what I call engineered bliss. There you something go. That's really not real. Yeah. You know, you might, you might have fun for a while, mm-hmm. but when you wake up with a hangover the next morning or you wake up and you bought the shirt or whatever you've done, it's still you there dealing with the same stuff. Yeah. So, you know, somebody said, you know, so when pain comes along, look at it as an object or a person or a thing and go, Hey, pain, I feel you. I get it. It's okay to feel pain right now, but guess what? I'm not going to stay here too much longer. So enjoy yourself while you're with me because I'm not going to feel pain in an hour. Right. You know, learn to kind of deal with the pain that comes your way because you can't get away from it. Right. 
Well, and you just brought up such a huge point. I mean, one of the things that I help people coach with is feeling the feelings that they're feeling. <laughs> because so many times we want to do something else, like we talked about buying the shirt or doing the collections or drinking or even beating yourself up, you know, constantly overthinking, whatever it is, it's because you're trying to deny yourself from feeling the feeling. And if you would just step into being okay with, okay, so the feeling is, um, you know, despair or desperation or I need attention or I just need love, I need connection, belonging, whatever that is, and you just feel it and be okay with it. Then you can breathe on the other side. Then you can start meditating and get through the day and it looks better, brighter on the other side. When you're in that, when you're denying that pain, you almost dig yourself deeper into a, a darker place. You absolutely are. You said it so eloquently. You know, it's like, you know, the engineered bliss of these distractions that we do are basically denying your humanity. And when you, when we go to do that, you know, it's like I read the other day, you know, we don't need all these devices and technological distractions. And a lot of times when it gets to the addiction stage where you're, you know, you'd much rather do this than that. And that is living your life. And this is just being distracted from living your life. Then it gets into this gray, murky, bad place. And, you know, I, I've even said it like on Facebook. I, you know, is it possible to have 15,000 friends? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think that you're lucky if you got a, one really good friend. So, you know, this there's a time and place for everything. And I'm not going to poo-poo and be a hypocrite. I certainly don't want to be that. But you have to put everything into perspective. And, and, and if you're spending 15 hours a day on social media or you're drinking every day at the bar for four hours and you're, you know, you know, think about what you're doing. Just think. That's all it is. It's, it's higher consciousness. Right, right. Think about what you're doing um, because there are better ways to live your life. And especially if you're looking at that person in the mirror. And that's one thing I wanted to say real quick. One of the first things I had to do in therapy because of, the, because of my insomnia, right? Mm-hmm. My therapist says, well, when you get up at 2.30 in the morning, what do you do? Well, I turn on all the lights. I walk around. She says, well, I got something better. Quit wasting electricity. She says, Go into your bathroom where you have your mirror. And she says, and turn on the light, obviously. And she says, look at that person. Hmm. And she says, and tell that person how much you appreciate them and how much you love them. Right. So I'm listening yeah. to this. It's a female counselor. I'm thinking, okay, you know, lollipops and this. <laughs> and so I started to do it. And I was by myself. My wife was in Virginia. But mm. when I, I got to tell you, Shay, I'd go into my house. I would look around the room to see if I was really alone. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to hear me tell myself how much I loved myself. Yeah. I got to tell you, that was one of the most powerful things that I've ever done. So I'm looking at this guy in the mirror, 2.30, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, and I start telling him, you know what, man, you're a really cool guy. I love you. And not the creepy kind of love, but the love that comes from the heart. Yeah. And, and, and so I started to realize it might sound goofy, but it was starting to work. Mm. This, this over and over and over again, this, uh, you know, repetition. Mm-hmm. And I started to believe it because then I was doing things right. And I knew that I was on the road to recovery and healing that. And so... Which brings up love again, which you discussed at the beginning of this 
discussion. If you can create a love for yourself and believe it, not just some I'm um, going through this you know thing just to make somebody else happy. If you can truthfully love yourself and forgive yourself for anything you've ever done goofy in the past, we've all done it, made mistakes, done stupid things. I mean, if the, you know, there was a time once if you looked up stupid, I'd probably be in the dictionary. So, Me too. I get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, so if you, when you start to be repetitious with really nice, healthier behaviors, and it starts to become a lifestyle and a mindset, and everybody talks about mindsets, then it becomes something really positive to your life. So, yeah, that was one thing I wanted to share with your listeners. Well, I'm so, yeah. so glad that you did. And we have literally talked for an hour, and I don't want to stop talking to you because we, that's just how our friendship I was going to say, that's just how our friendship has evolved in the last six weeks anyway. Uh, but I kind of want to talk about your book. And I don't kind of, I want to talk about your book because it's really well-written poetry in a way that is different than I've seen before. And the name of it is Fract- Fractals? Fra- fractals. Fractals. Yeah, like, like, like fractured pieces. Fractals, yeah. And... There was a couple of things I wanted to talk about, and one of them is called a Brave New Taco World. And and it was about seeing uh, five cell phones uh, sitting on the table, just chatting amongst themselves, eating tacos. And I was like, what is he doing? And then at the end, you had this like uh, uh, parentheses of, describing it of how that's how we are sitting at the table is looking at our cell phones all the time and wondering what this world has come to. Yeah. That's funny. You pulled that one out because, <laughs> you know, and it's so true. You know, if, if you ever seen the movie brave new world, it's a movie that was years ago and it has to do with futuristic and the machines taking over. I think queen actually had a song called back to humans and brave new taco world. is about five tacos using their cell phones at a taco place, talking amongst themselves. And the lady walks by a human and she's like, Oh my gosh, what is this world coming to? You know, you have five tacos talking to each other or not talking on the cell phones. And, and that, you know, how, how often have you gone out to a restaurant? I don't care if it's two people, three, four, even families and seeing whole tables of people, not even engaged in conversation. Mm-hmm. And so that what that poem is, is like we're in a brave new taco world and that, you know, whatever happened to human conversation? I mean, this is using technology here, but I can see you, you can see me and we're talking. But to sit down at a table to have a lunch together or a dinner or breakfast or whatever and not even talk to each other, to be on the phone. And then I've heard countless. I just want to do something poetic about it. So it's really just a. A wake-up call. If you go out to lunch with somebody, unless you're getting a real important phone call from your financial advisor, turn the phone off, stick it in your pocket, put it in your purse, leave it in the car, and go in and enjoy having that lunch with the people that you're with. That's human. And to be just on a phone and with somebody sitting at a table, that's not really great interaction, is it? Well, the re- passing judgment. Right. And the reason I pulled that one out is because I thought about what we're up against now, right? 
So we were so addicted to looking at our phones rather than talking to the person across. And now we're in our home and we are forced to talk to the person that we're sitting across. So it'll be interesting when we go out and are able to go out into restaurants next to see if it shifts back to the other way. And we actually are building community and connection again. I love the way you laid that out there. That's brilliant because, you know, it is a good question. And, you know, remember when 9-11 happened, the world in America uh, pulled together. And then it seemed like, you know, shortly thereafter it went somewhere else. And, and now you're so right with this COVID-19 pandemic with everybody on lockdown. What is going to happen when we get unleashed again out into society? Yeah. Are we, we going to appreciate each other more? Uh, are you going to look at a roll of toilet paper and really appreciate it? Um, are you going to look at the person in line and say, hey, I hope you have a good day? You know, it just, mm, I right. wonder. Yeah. I hope and I pray that we go back or we not go back. I hope that we move, go forward to something different, something more human. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I also want to, uh, you talk about, I say, talking about love. I think it was because I looked at this quote right before we got on the call and I was like, oh, this is perfect. So in his book, John has uh, quotes about that he's come up with because he's brilliant like that. And this one I took out and it's so apropos for today. It says, forget what's in your wallet. Consider what's in your heart. There you will find your true riches. And I can't. I literally cannot thank you enough, John, for spending time with us today. And before you go, there's a couple of things. Please tell us how people can connect with you, how they can get your book, um, all the things that you're doing with uh, Task Force, Task Radio, and no, 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 it is Task Force Radio, well, and uh, real quick. Yeah. and Green Green uh, Heroes in Green. Okay, no, no, we got it. <laughs> Green Zone Hero. Yeah. GreenZoneHero.com is a online directory of businesses that honor freedom. You can go there, check it out if you have a business organization or just an individual and you want to uh, put yourself out there publicly that you support freedom, veterans, active duty, and their families to check it out. And then you can go, I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Oh, I'm still learning all this stuff. Come on, you know, I'm an old guy, right? <laughs> uh, but you can go to Task Force Zen is another project that we're working on right now. We have a uh, Facebook page for that. We're also on the AHO uh, radio network, which is the Authentic Human Outliers on YouTube. And then Fractals can be found on uh, Amazon. Is it Kindle? Amazon mm-hmm. Kindle and some other places. Yep. It's called Fractals, A Poetic Journey for Acceptance. Uh, you can, or if you want to reach out to me, you know, my, my email is John at greenzonehero.com or John at fractalspoetry.com. Uh, and I'm real good at getting back. You can also message me through Facebook. You know, all I want to do, Shay, just like you, not all we want to do, you know, we want to, we want to be, we want to be impactful in people's lives. And, mm. and, uh, we have a lot to offer you and I, and, and, uh, there are people out there that could benefit from being around us or, or, you know, from the things that we could offer them. And, and uh, you know, look at the book, and, and I'd be happy to talk to anybody about it. My cell phone number is out on, it's out there on one of the websites, you know, but if you want to call me, 941 400 
feel free to call me. I'm a little bit older, so don't call me after like 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And uh, just truly blessed to be here. So thank you for that. Well, and thank you. And if you want to check it out, I was a guest. I was honored to be a guest on uh, Task Force Radio. Yeah, Task Force and Radio, you are number 13, Sparks of Hope. Yes. Which, which is brilliant. And, you know, your story is significant too and and you have a lot to offer and i'm just so blessed again like i say not to be you know i'm not i'm not blowing smoke you know this is real and uh yeah sparks of hope the things you're doing are you kidding me i know that in st louis no it's kansas city that's right because you have the kansas city shirt on <laughs> kansas city um there are great things happening with sparks of hope where you're at so thank you for that oh thank you i appreciate that and also check out his uh, Green Zone Hero, is that did I say it right? I am also on there as well. You are. Sparks Hope is on there. You're under counselors and holistic healing mm-hmm. and uh, veteran outreach, and you know you're doing some cool things. So we're happy to have that support for that uh, for that community. And you know, one of the things we got going through the COVID nineteen, if you do own a company, all the way till July fourth, we're extending out free memberships for anybody that's interested. So, mm, awesome. Yeah, Thank you. It's a little bit of a give back. So you're welcome. Definitely. And we are also connected on a Heroes Media Group. You can find, we are collaborating with them. So you can find both of our shows on that as well. HeroesMediaGroup.com. And one last question that I always like to leave with. What scripture, phrase, or mantra are you living by right now? I like Isaiah thirty fifteen actually. And quietness and confidence is my strength. And uh, you have to read it in its mm. context, but if you go to that one, you know, I like to work the peripheral. Some people, my wife would say differently, but I, 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 the spotlight's cool and it's fun and all that, but I really would rather work the peripheral mm. than work in the shadows and not in a bad way, but I'd rather be on the outside looking in. Nice. And by being that way, then I can keep myself um, humble. Yeah, I love it. Well, John, it's always an honor and a pleasure and so much fun to talk to you. So thank you for being here. And um, we'll just have to have you back on again for another discussion. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Shay. Take care and and God bless. Be, Be safe and well out there. Thank you. You too. Are you looking for an inspiring and energetic speaker or host for your special event? Do you wish to have more confidence, more love, and more accepting of yourself? And you're curious about how to work with me one-on-one? Or are you looking for a brainstorming and visionary consultant on how to grow your business? When your answer is yes then I invite you to send me an email at heyshay at shaysparks.com. That's H-E-Y-S-H-A at S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S dot com. Looking forward to hearing from you. being a part of our show and it's people like you that make this show possible so we hope that you know you are appreciated don't forget to subscribe comment and share this podcast 
And when you want to continue the fun and conversation, join my official community on the Shea Sparks Facebook page. That's S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S on Facebook. Looking forward to connecting with you. May your day be filled with the sparks of hope that ignites you to invest in yourself and the people around you. Why, you may ask? Because you are worth it.